Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, my name is Raul Figueroa. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Harvest Church, and uh, I have the opportunity to share with you this morning. Well, if you have a Bible, if you would open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 16, or electronic device, um, it'll be on the screen as well, but we want to encourage you to bring your Bible and, or just have it in a, in a form that you could follow along as well. Um, Pastor Doug last week kicked off a series that we are going to be going through called Foundation. And uh, a series that we want to be able to journey through what we believe here at Grace Harvest Church in a way that would encourage you, strengthen you, maybe, maybe cause you to want to dive deeper into the scripture and the word of God. That is our desire, that we would elevate his word. And so that, um, and we want to talk through that. Last week, Pastor Doug kicked off um, Foundation and why we, who is in charge of your life? I guess that was his primary question. And, um, and just understanding that we all have presets, we have, um, we have information that we've, we've either heard or read or experienced that has informed us in our life, that, has, that, that will guide us in every decision-making process that we have. And we're asking the question of people, um, last week we brought up uh, what or who is in charge of your life. And Pastor Doug made, made the, the case for and the encouragement to that scripture should be the thing, if you're a Christian, that should be the ultimate authority for our lives. Amen? And so this morning I have, I have the privilege of part two, um, which is why should I trust the Bible and the authority of Scripture? Foundation. Foundation. You know, it really is important, the material that you build on. Amen? How you build the base, the substructure, the foundation. What, what materials you use, how you put it together, and, and, and knowing how much, how well it's constructed, how much stress or weight it will hold. Um, I'm not an engineer. I know nothing about that stuff except the, the few times I've been intimately involved in home repair and have had the opportunity to, to, to delve a little into that. But, but what I do know is I know people, I work with people every day. And I have the opportunity to observe and to see and to, to, to speak with. And oftentimes that gives you a window into their life on the kind of foundation that their life is built on. Anyone know what I'm saying? You, you know and you get to see something when people journey through a circumstance, situation, and you can hear what comes out of them as they journey through that. And, and you can begin to piece together, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Or sometimes it's like, oh yeah, oh no. And you get a realization that maybe the foundation is not as sure as you thought it was for them. Or they have the realization that my belief system, my structure, what I'm trusting and what I'm relying on is not as firm. And so here at Grace Harvest Church, we want to we talk about that this morning a little bit. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture, everybody say all scripture is inspired by God. I want to stop there a minute. 
All scripture is inspired by God. Genesis through Revelation, all scripture inspired by God. That means that he either uh, through uh, verbal voice instruction told them what to write or that by the power of the spirit impressed upon them at the moment of writing what they should write down, inspiration, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Amen. Amen. The Bible. This compilation of 66 books, letters. The Bible, this book that we, if you are a Christian, if you have an encounter with Jesus, you've made him Lord of your life, you've repented of your sins, this book that now has become the primary way with which you would know God, with which you would understand who Jesus is. The Bible, the one who illustrates the the, the message of the gospel of grace and his mercy through his son, Jesus. The Bible that gives us the history of the human, human race and about all the journeys through that and, the, and it illustrates the necessity of why we need a savior. The Bible. The Bible, this book that doesn't shy away from the hard topics and within its pages has some difficult things to read. The Bible, this book that we're willing to to journey through and wrestle with and ultimately to embrace and to allow it to, to, to begin to have its work within our lives. The Bible, this message of love from God to us. Amen? And so when we're talking about the scripture, we know, we know that within the pages there are some difficult things to talk about. We know that. We know that the message that runs from Genesis to Revelations in in the way that people behave and interact with each other and with God, that there are some questionable and downright evil things that have happened in the text. We also know that that points and illustrates the reason for the coming of the Messiah. His name is Jesus. And we know ultimately that based upon what we see in Scripture... And the hope, his name being Jesus, that one day he will return again. Amen? And that is what we long for. So at GHC, one of our beliefs is we believe that the Bible is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative, and complete word. We believe in his final authority for all doctrine and conduct. We believe this book. We believe that if you're a Christian, that this is your book. This book is the primary way with which you'll come to know who Jesus is. No other way. 99% about Christ you will find in this book. Sure, you might find some statements in other places about there was a man named Jesus or man named Jesus and the miracles that he did. Short little message fragments that there was a man. But leaning into this text, This book, this compilation is where we get our how we conduct ourselves, how we encourage ourselves, how we 
challenge ourselves, how we correct ourselves, this book that is the compilation. You know, it's, it's, it's an amazing book. And it's a book that we all love when it's, we focus on the message of grace in the gospel. It's a great. Just think back for a moment at your time of, if you've had a, an encounter with Jesus, your salvation story, this, that moment of, of a new life. Just think about that moment for a minute, whether it was just a miraculous thing and you felt the presence of God and bam, he revealed himself to you. Or maybe, maybe it was a slow moving. You just were raised in the church or, or you just been around and you just have grown to know more about God till you begin to realize, this is me. I'm, in, I'm embracing this. This is, this is my story for me in this moment, my life. Or whatever your story is, whatever way along the journey, from that moment of encounter, that moment of revelation, that moment of, a, of an understanding that Jesus, I am a sinner, in desperate need of a savior. You are the hope, that moment. And then what comes right after that, that awareness that I, I need to be discipled, I need to understand, I need to, to know more. And whether you seek out or whether it was a context like this where it was brought to you a Bible or, or someone to talk with and, and then they show you this book. And at that moment, that book is so amazing and precious and just like, wow, the Bible. And then you journey through life and you realize that the Bible is not just this book made up of easy phrases and things just to encourage yourself, one-offs. But then as you begin to delve in, you realize that the Bible is a lot more than that. The story isn't all hunky-dory and... Just, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I'm going to go do this thing. Yeah! Especially when you realize the text, the Apostle Paul writing, that I can live in low places and low means, high places, and I can endure and withstand. But at the end of the day, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you realize that, wow, Lord, Walking with you, I'm going to have mountaintop experiences. I'm going to walk in the valley. There could be highs, there could be lows, but the message of the gospel of grace is I am no longer alone and you are with me and that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. I, I love that. The song that we sang earlier talked about, about Jesus, the name of Jesus and Jesus this reminder that we serve a living God, that he is resurrected and alive. And at the name, at the mention of his name, all knees shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. There's something interesting about that that, that, that doesn't just talk about, you know, scripture also says whatever is here on earth will bow to him. What's above the earth What's below the earth? And think about this. In the song that we sang, it talked about, you know, at the mention of Jesus, depression. You, you've got to be dealt with. You will bow to Jesus. And I was thinking about, Lord, in every situation, you are king. Yeah. You are king. You, you, you own and cover and rule and everything bows to you. Where do we get that revelation except through scripture and then that played out in life? We believe that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us and it's inspired, inerrant, authoritative. Who has the final authority in your life? 
or what principles are informing and dictating how you live, what value system guides you, what evidence or long-term track record do you trust to verify the authority that you do trust. Here at Grace Harvest Church, we trust the scriptures. So that's what we bring to the table when we have a conversation or we want to talk or, or you want to talk or we talk through things. It's, 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 it's founded in the idea that the scripture speaks to us in our time. Amen? Scripture wasn't written to us at the time, but it's for us in the moment. It's, we can embrace it. We can, we can take it. it can, we can apply it. It's, it's for us that we take these conversations forward. And so, so oftentimes we have conversations with people. We might not even talk scripture in reference, but, we, but, but the conversation is rooted in a mutual understanding that our, our basis for even relationship is the idea that we love the Lord and we know him through the scripture. Amen? Amen. That's what we know to believe. And so we want to talk a little bit about that this morning, that the evidence of the inspiration and authority of the Bible. We believe the Bible is unique in its unity and continuity. It wasn't written in one generation, but over a period of 1,500 years. Not by authors with the same education, culture, or language, but with a vastly different education, many different cultures, from three continents and three different languages. And finally, not just one subject, but hundreds. Think about this. Think about the idea of merging all of those statements, those letters, understandings, languages into a place that's inspired by God that, would, that at the end of the day, the text would reveal the same characteristics of who God is to a people and other continents and places. We believe the Bible inspired. You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament in letters to the epistles from Romans all the way through. Um, and, and the idea, not to the end, but all the all Hebrews question, maybe he wrote that. The idea that he wrote this, and oftentimes he referenced and used the Septuagint. So it would have been the Greek translation of the scriptures in the moment to the people that he was writing to. Mainly that his audience was outside of Jerusalem. They would have been people who understood and spoke Greek and they understood that. And herein, as he's writing these letters, usually in response to churches that he had set up, that he had cared for, that he had nurtured, and then had left them because they were going. Set up the church, church in Macedonia. Church in Ephesus set up, praise the Lord, we've been doing this. Okay, guys, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me, the Apostle Paul, to go. And so the Apostle Paul goes to the next town or the next place. And so we would call that, you know, Paul's journey one, two, and three, somewhere in there. And in, in amongst that, there were people who would travel with him. And some would stay later and, and continue the work, and some would go with him. And then some would move along the way. Like a church would say, here's a care package for the Apostle Paul. Are you going that way? Yeah, I'm going that way. I'll take it right to him. And then they would bring word about the church. And what we read in the New Testament is the word that they often brought was a questionable word. Some. There was some good words in there, but some was like, can you imagine the runner? Imagine the runner for Corinthians. First and second, have you read the letters? The runner or, or, or his bring word or he's there or something that he saw or he was compelled to go. 
you wouldn't believe this, Apostle Paul, but this is what they're doing. They come together for communion. It's like a potluck, but all, but all the rich people go first, and then they eat it all, and then there's nothing left for the poor. Or let me just tell you what's happening. They're allowing sexual sin to happen between family members or parents and children. Apostle Paul, they need your help. If you think our church is messed up, Corinthians needed instruction, just like we need instruction. So the apostle Paul set out, an apostle's heart, one who would love the church, had an encounter with Jesus, was passionate about the gospel. Dear brothers and sisters, the stories that I've heard ought not be so. You should not be doing this stuff. It's in the text. And then he addresses things in the text. And what's amazing is, is he writes a letter here to this church. And then we can see 30 years later, he's writing the letter over here. And if you were to take the letters, they're in harmony. The gospel of Jesus addressing people's lives, it, it didn't change, it illuminated, it supported, it showed that the message of the gospel of grace is endearing. And it endear, endures. There's a word, two words. You see, we lean into the Bible because of its uniqueness and the thread of the gospel of Jesus and unity and continuity, we can stand sure on it. We know and we've come to see. We've come to see that the Bible has been confirmed again and again through archaeological discoveries. The discovery of the Rosetta Stone or the Moabite Stone or the Law Code of Hammurabi or the ancient city of Ur, the Raj Shamra tablets, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and many others. What an amazing find for people of God, people who've encountered Jesus, even, even those who have Jewish lineage, to, 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 to come across a new thing and to be able to translate it authoritatively and just clean and then overlay it on what we already know to be, to be found about, about the history of people or the history of, of the thread of God through the Hebrew people. And we can overlay and look and, and to be able to have some relief and some sustenance leaning into this fits the narrative. Thank you, God, that you are a God that, that reaffirms your story, amen? That you have preserved who it is and what it is that you're writing to and about, that, that God, you're after something. And what he's after is us, people. He's after people. He loves people. And the Bible, more than any other book, has an overwhelming number of ancient manuscripts to confirm its accuracy and historicity. 24,633 to date ancient manuscripts as far back as 125 AD, which is only about 25 to 50 years past events or the first letters that we know of. This is really profound. It's really profound to find text and manuscripts that are written so close to the actual events, like ones that we could, oh, and then the thread, the next one we find are 400 years later and, and 500 years and 600 years and, and 1,100 years and be able to piece them together to say, whoa, there's a thread here and the 1,100 years matches the 150 years. To say, wow, God, you're leaving a thread here, one that we can 
rely on. We don't just wait on that. We actually take the text as Christians and then read through it, especially where the text um, illuminates prophecy. Think, think about this prophecy, the ability to, to speak about the future or, or, or foretell. Jesus had over 330 prophecies that foretold in detail his birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. 330 the mathematical probability of that, one person having so many is like a lot. But we hold this in high esteem that, that, that if it wasn't a, a revelation or a personal encounter with Jesus, that something other than, then you're looking into the scripture to read that this right here, this, this ability to be reasoned with in the text to show you that, that God is real. And he, he, he foretold and left a, a thread for you to follow, for you to see to lean into, to, to, to believe, to hang on to. And so we're going to read some of them this morning. Is that okay? Come on. So some of the fulfilled prophecies. So <clears throat> here we go. His birthplace would be Bethlehem. That Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. It was written over 700 years before the birth of Christ in Micah 5.2. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And I love in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how whenever they came across something that they knew that had already been addressed, they referenced it in Scripture. They, they would repeat it or they would, they would tell it again. And it would show that, that they were pulling that thread from typically the Old Testament into present time, telling us that this is the fulfillment of that thing. And so Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 6 he writes, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Amen. If, if, you, were, if you were a man in Israel, you would have understood uh, the Old Testament because you would have memorized much of it. You would have memorized your own lineage all the way back and you would have memorized the prophets and the Psalms and they would have been right at the forefront. So if somebody spoke to you or, and asked you a question, you would have been able to recite like, right, like this is that and this is what it said and, and thus said the Lord here. And what, is a, what, an, what an amazing opportunity for us, right? Like scripture, your word 
have I hidden my heart that I wouldn't sin against you? Like this idea that we would take this, this scripture that we've come to know as true and, and embed it in our substructure, Lord. Your word says, we're, we're reading it, we're taking it, it's, it's going in here, we're, we're, we're following it, that, that you told us that he would be born in Bethlehem. We, we were also told that he would be born of a virgin, 700 years in Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Luke Chapter 1, 26, 27, and 31. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Wow, right, right before their eyes, playing out. Now, now, some of us would think that as we read through the scripture, we, we would say something like, wow, with all the prophecies, it seems that we're, we're lining up. Man, they would have embraced him wholeheartedly and saw him for who he was and is. But that's not the case. In fact, uh, we see in Scripture that he would be rejected by his own people. And 700 years before he, he came in Isaiah 53, 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their face, faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And then John, John 1.11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Scripture told that this would happen. They lived this out. They, they worked it through. The consequences we see in Scripture that the ultimate plan of God worked its way through, but he, he foretold the end that Jesus would end up giving his life in obedience to God for you and I to be the ultimate sacrifice for sin. We believe this. We believe the story of the scripture. We believe the story of God through scripture. This is important. You see, it's our desire here at Grace Harvest Church that you would grow to know God more that you would be as, as versed in Scripture and it would flow in and through you, that you would be able to, to apply it practically to the issues of life because we believe that the issues of life are in this book, amen? Yeah. That, that right here, that, that we would be able to, to know and be guided by when Scripture says there will be trials and tribulations, but you also say, God, that you're not gonna leave us or forsake us. Or in John 16, that you had to go because there will be one who will, who will be a comforter and will lead and guide us in all truth through the Holy Spirit. That, that, that we saw the disciples agonized over the fact that Jesus kept telling them, I am going to leave you. And scripture shows that they like, in a sense, argued with him. Come on, man, don't do it. You really gotta go. And his answer to them, I gotta go. It's been written about this. I, I gotta go. Because if I don't go, then the one who will be the paraclete, the helper, won't come. He won't lead you and guide you in all truth. And that is the one that's promised by God to come. And so therein is the time that we live now is the promise to us of the Holy Spirit and the one who will be our helper. 
the one who will lead and guide and show us all truth and comfort us, the reminder that we're not alone. We find those encouragements in the scripture. You know, we're not just a people who are charismatically led, which means giftings led, Holy Spirit moved. We're not just that. We find those examples from scripture. And we see that, that the God of, of yesterday, today, and forever is a God that promised giftings for us in our time, for us. And we pull those through scripture. And so we lean into it. We lean into it for the promises of God and we lean into it for, for the instruction of God and the correction of God. And you know, you know, the promises of God are the ones that you read through scripture and like, yes, this applies forever and ever, amen. Thank you, Lord. Your name is peace and joy and I'm resting in you. And then there's the instruction of God, the setup of how we should conduct our lives and, and conduct our lives with one another and how we should live. And then there's the correction of God that we see usually comes from the Holy Spirit or when we read scripture or through you guys to one another, to us. And you know when that happens, right? Because it always starts like this having coffee, eating a meal, and then there's the next phrase. So, you know we're friends, right? You know I love you, right? I got something to say to you. And then, you know, the electronic Bible comes out or the Bible comes out, and I just want to read something to you. Then I want to tell you what I saw. And I'm sharing with you because that's what's happened to me. And I love that. I love that about it. They brought the scripture we talked through. And then, and then the follow-up question, which I, I encourage you to bring, is that what should I do about this now? It's a healthy question. You talk to me. You brought the scripture to me. I'm trying to yield to it. Ugh. What should I do about this now? How do I go about correcting this or adjusting to it or obeying it or yielding to it? Or, what do I do? Speak to me. Help me. Of course, I'm going to go pray about it, but, but let's walk together on this. You said you were my friend, right? You're not going to leave me alone. You see, we believe that the Bible was given for our benefit. And it's instructions, a blessing for our life. And we want you to know that intimately for yourselves. Would you stand with me?